Welcome back to Squawking Dead after a lengthy hiatus. I think it's safe to say that we're fresh enough to be able to handle the death of Carl Grimes. You know, there's no better way to honor the impact Carl has made on The Walking Dead more than allowing his impending demise to go on for two episodes, sandwiched between an agonizingly long break while also making us relive the actual bite and all the events leading up to the final stroke. Episode 9, Honor, rewinds us through some moments that have been going on throughout Episode 8 that, and propels us through the additional 30 minutes left in the episode to move the story along, teaching us a few things along the way. I have to admit, after rewatching this episode several times, it put me in a pretty morose place. When that happens, I take the coward's way out and give it up to my hostess with the mostest, the bell of every ball, the maraschino cherry on my Sunday, <laughs> Carol. Wow, that was as good of an intro as they gave uh, Carl a send-off. Sheesh. Yeah, after three takes. <laughs> I, I'll still take it. <laughs> uh, three times. <laughs> but yeah, what a send-off for Carl. Uh, there were some pretty emotional moments there. I mean, I didn't know it was going to be a full 90 minutes, but it was. I'm not surprised. And I, I do feel that they might have dragged it out a little bit too long. I kept kind of thinking, okay, all right. He, he is passing away in this episode, right? This is happening, right? I'm going to drag this out any longer. I, I think it wouldn't have felt that way if they would have taken the time to kind of had some one-on-one time between because I thought they were going to give the opportunity Carl to say his goodbyes to his like little family like goodbye to Rick goodbye to Michelle but goodbye to Daryl goodbye to I don't know you know just like just individually stuff. to each one yeah, personally just, or just something like I would have thought like if you're going to drag it out for 90 minutes I would have thought there would have been a little bit more because it seemed like I don't know. I guess I would have expected that, like, especially with Daryl, because I'm like, you know, you guys have been together since the beginning, since you guys were in the camp in Atlanta, you know? So I would have expected something there. And I mean, yeah, Daryl's Daryl, but like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Daryl's a man of few words, yeah. A man of few words, you know? But I think that part of it, too, was to give the opportunity for what is it, Chekhov's notes? I mean, basically like those notes, those letters that Carl wrote, I have a pretty good feeling are probably going to loom over everybody for the rest of the season. That's my guess, that those letters are going to like be Carl's voice of reason throughout the rest of the season. Do you think they're going to do like a voiceover thing while they read the notes? I think so. I think that he wrote notes specifically to to each person. And I suspect in my heart of hearts that one of those notes is for Negan. And that is how he's going to find out. That he oh, snap. That's a good observation because like, uh, yeah, we've seen a ton of the, the, the no- who these notes were addressed to, like Enid and right. dad and et cetera. There's a stack of them that he handed yeah, yeah. To, to Michonne. So, because in my mind, I thought to myself, well, it's going to affect Negan, but how would Negan know? It's not like anybody's going to call him, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know? You're so going to have to deliver this somehow. Ain't no uh, post officer. No, carrier <laughs> pigeons, man. So... <laughs> No, but it's like, I thought to myself, I was like, maybe, maybe via note somehow. I don't know. Maybe that's how it is. Maybe that'll be part of bringing these guys together somehow. I don't know. I just have a feeling that his presence is going to still loom large for the rest of the season. That's my thought. Mm, That would be a nice, interesting departure from the way people usually go out too. Yes. Just as that they're gone. (laughs) (laughs) They disappear. They're just gone. Well, it's funny because I I was thinking about it and I was like, well, what other characters have gotten like uh, big send-offs, you know, on the show? 
Because in reality, you know, Glenn didn't get that big send off. He was, you know, murdered, you know, so it was like he didn't get that big send off. I thought about Tyrese. Like yeah, that yeah, I did too. They now, he got a he got a whole episode dedicated to him. Yeah, sure, just a whole episode just dedicated to kind of kind of wishing him well. You know, I guess Sasha to an extent. You yeah, know? yeah. She had that whole episode leading up to her death. So you know, with some characters, they have done it like that. Where okay, this is your episode, and this was Carl's episode, and I think there were some really good moments, like dialogue wise. That I really liked. It, it had moments where it was getting to be a little bit too wordy, a little bit too, you know, let's rein it in a little bit. But I think that there was some solid dialogue, which, you know, was good. Um, I liked the dialogue between him and Judith. I thought that was really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like a little monologue, really. I mean, there really yeah. wasn't between them. <laughs> no, it was like his monologue. But the thing was that I thought the way that it was promoted in the trailer they made it seem like that monologue was geared towards Rick. Like the whole kind of like, I didn't beat this world, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. I mean, it kind of was really, if you think about it. But it was like, it, it, for some reason, it made me think of like, did you ever see the movie Children of Men? For some reason, women can no longer bear children. And then, I don't know, the world is just sort of like falling apart, I guess, pre-apocalyptic or on the cusp. And there's this one woman that's discovered who's pregnant and the purpose is to protect this baby because this baby is the future. And so it's like, it gave me that same sort of kind of vibe when it comes to Judith. It's like, okay, Judith is the John Connor of this world. (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's like the future but yeah yeah yeah, no i I remember the move that you're talking about yeah but yeah i I get what you're saying you know it's kind of like you're the harbinger you're like the it's kind of like you you will fix all the mistakes that we've been making lately hopefully exactly that's the idea i didn't beat this world you know maybe you will exactly so i thought it was I, i thought it was a good episode for sure. Yeah, um, there, yep. there is a lot that here that deals with innocence, redemption. There's not a lot to really talk about in terms of really specific stuff because I can tell from the way the episode was constructed. So you have like literally maybe two thirds, half to two thirds where we're kind of backtracking and we're going mm-hmm. over. We're going over basically what was going on in episode eight, like I said in the intro. Right. What was going on behind the scenes from the moment Carl was bit with Sadiq honoring his mom, etc. You know, that sort of thing. Just killing walkers to kill walkers, you know, to right. set them free. So you have that moment. And then you have the things that were going on at Alexandria during the time, you know, Michonne leaving, Michonne coming back, and just what Carl is trying to do uh, the entire time, writing his goodbye notes, uh, hanging out with Judith, and generally fantasizing about what we find out. Oh, well, I mean, we can just leap right into this. Yeah. uh, we, I mean, we don't find this out until the end of the episode, but we, we do know what the extreme flash forwards are about. And, yes. and they're really Carl's vision of the future, which I thought was really cool. And, and I almost don't even know if that's what they intended that was going to be about or if they kind of just circumnavigated the fan theories or something. I think that it was kind of a clever way to do it because it doesn't necessarily take it off the table entirely. Right. Like it's Carl's vision. We're not saying it couldn't potentially happen. I think that what we'll end up seeing is a version of his vision, not necessarily exactly his vision. I don't think that. I still firmly believe that we will get in the second to last episode of this season. I'm thinking we're going to wrap up this all out war. 
And I think that we will do some sort of time jump. And I think that we will see a version of Carl's future, not exactly what he envisioned, but something close to it. Similar to. Something close to it. Like not exactly. I don't think Negan's going to be picking strawberries with them in the garden. Uh, Tomatoes. We find was it, out. Was it tomatoes? I mean, he when he was talking with Rick uh, right after the gas station ordeal. Yes, he mentioned, "Oh, we just go pick a big strawberries with me." Yeah, exactly. And, but in the in his flash forward, it was tomatoes. Little, it was tomatoes. Yeah, was tomatoes. I was, and you know what? All the people doing the Talking Dead quiz, uh-huh. like it was like sixty four percent said strawberries. And it turned in like it was like 28%. Maybe, you know, there was like it was tomatoes and like everybody got that wrong, basically. Yeah, because my are you to know? (laughs) No, because it's like I automatically just assumed because of what like Rick had said. It's like, oh, he's picking strawberries. Okay, exactly. Well, yeah. turns out we're wrong. <laughs> like, well, eh, you're wrong. They were, those were tomato plants. Tomatoes yeah. are way more practical. Carl is smarter than us. <laughs> like, that's great. It's Rick awesome. is stupid about farming. Ugh, farmer Rick. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, butternut I, skillet pie. Oh, <laughs> By the I, way, that made my mouth water, too. I was like thinking about it, like, dang, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, I mean, like, look, it sounds like a great future. Yeah, southern food southern food looked pretty great yeah i don't know i i yo, i thought it was very clever though let me ask very- let me ask you a question though did you see that coming though like in, in any sort of way like like that it was like just fantasies that it, was carl's, that it was carl's vision specifically i guess i was thinking that it might be somebody's fantasy just because once we established that carl was done for i was like well it can't be an exact vision of the future that is off the table because Carl was in that future. Fantasy. Right. Carl was in that future. We know he's not going to be there, so he can't be in the future. So it has to be some sort of hallucination or some sort of vision. You know, because at one point I thought, oh, well, maybe this is Rick's vision of what could have been, and all of the people in that fantasy don't survive. I don't know. You know, so it's like I was, but oh. I didn't necessarily think that it would be Carl's final vision of what he wanted to see, like his dying wish. That I hadn't necessarily thought about. And at first I was angry. Like when I was watching Ooh. it, I was like, well, I was like, you're kidding me. It was a dream. <laughs> oh, yeah. You even, you even texted me. Or, I even texted like, you. I was me. like, I, yeah, I think I texted you. I was like, this is go- it was a goddamn dream. Are you freaking was, kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I was not pleased. But then in thinking about it, I was like, well, it doesn't mean that that isn't necessarily, you know, potentially part of the future. This is his vision. And maybe his vision will be actualized. Maybe not. Maybe some sort of version. So it's not really taking it off the table completely. And I don't think that it's off the table completely because it's, as a comic book reader, it's way too similar to like what the future looks like for them to just kind of be like, psych, yeah, the future is completely different. It's like you copied details verbatim, you know, like, let me pull out the volume and open it up for you. Like, this is exactly what it looks like. (laughs) So do not troll us like that. That's not cool. You know, maybe it won't be exactly like it. And some of the details might be a little different in terms of who necessarily survives all the way to that point and who does not. And to what extent they come to some sort of peace treaty agreement with Negan. I, again, I don't think he's going to be farming with them. I think that's a little bit too 
optimistic of Carl. But in terms of the other sides of like living together and growing and, you know, Eugene was in that future because it's like you can forgive Eugene and like bring him back. That's content. That, yeah, that, that is feasible. Negan, not so much. That's a little bit too ambitious. That's a bridge too far. That's a bridge too far. Yeah, (laughs) that ain't necessarily going to happen. But could a version of that happen? Maybe. You know, so I think that they were smart. They didn't totally take it off the table. I mean, obviously, I can't deny that this this was a Carl fantasy, but even though even though at one point during the episode, you see kind of Rick wake up while he's holding Judith. And this is right after like a one of those flash forwards. Yeah. And I I sincerely thought this was at some point I was like, is this is Rick imagining this? Is this Rick's fantasy? Because you mentioned it just now. I'm like, I remember the exact moment they were still in the tunnel he was holding Judith and he kind of just snaps out of it for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is just right after a cutscene. And so I thought, I was like, what? what? Oh, that's interesting. Rick yeah. is envisioning this future. Yeah, I, I think that they kind of like alluded to different things. So you were sort of like never quite sure. It's like, this is Rick's version. This is like Carl's version. It wasn't until the very end that it's like, oh, I guess this is, this is Carl's vision, you know? Right, right. And then especially, you know, with when Negan appears in the fantasy, then it's like, oh, well, yeah, this is Carl's. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that Rick wouldn't think of that. But yeah, no. but yeah, no, I, I think I think I still maintain that this is that this is kind of a farewell to this idea. Like, even though Rick at the end of the episode, as Carl is winding down in the show, essentially, mm. I still can't imagine that that future, that specific future, even though Rick promises that he will make it happen, mm-hmm. I just still can't imagine that. Like, maybe half true. Like, right. it'll get as close as it humanly possibly can. They're going to have to rebuild. But so, yeah, as rosy sure. as it is, as I mean, even, even the part with... Um, with Eugene, like I keep thinking to myself, I I don't know if if I mean even though maybe four years later my and I don't just don't think imagine it being that rosy and that bright and that you know what I mean that mm-hmm. sort of thing. It's just sort of it's, it's just yeah. I it mean, just makes I, me uncomfortable because I don't trust them. <laughs> I don't. I just don't trust the showrunners <laughs> to know. give us that kind of future and to give us that kind of comic uh, specific. Um, out you know ending or whatever I think that they might give not necessarily like oh life is great you know because (laughs) you know we are still living in an apocalypse world so like you know yes we can rebuild but it's not going to be the way life once was so it can't be all that rosy but I do think that after you know potentially two seasons of dragged out like just in the gutters, like dismal <laughs> war and like, there's no other place to go from up. So it's like, they're going to have to kind of like, you know, sort of like, okay, we are rebuilding. Life is better. The war is over. Not necessarily perfect, but better and kind of get not to a utopian society, obviously, but something better, something where they can kind of come to a place where they can live with it. Yes, you know, we're in a zombie apocalypse, but they find a way to sort of live with the circumstances that they are and kind of survive in a more comfortable state uh, rather than the day to day. A a sort of rebuilding of civilization in their own small way before, you know, the shit hits the fan again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, this is what's been said is that purpose of Carl's death is to further the overall story and that they didn't feel that keeping Carl alive would have necessarily sealed and closed up and tied up the story of the war as cleanly without his death. 
I don't know if Carl's death was necess- was necessary. I don't know. Oh, you really don't feel that, huh? I mean, I'm I'm I, actually I, on the opposite side of that argument. I'm kind of like, I don't think this war can possibly come to a close without Carl dying. In the my in my opinion, but yeah, you, you, you got to tell me why you think that because it just I seems mean, clear to me. I I understand, like I understand how you can do it for sure. Oh yeah. I guess I guess the thing is, and I think the actor Jeffrey Dean Morgan mentioned this too. Like I think on Instagram, he posted like some long goodbye to like Chandler the Riggs. And wow. one of the things that he was saying was that, you know, in the comic, there's a lot more exploration of that relationship between Negan and Carl. And I would have really wanted to see that because I think it, it's, it's pretty cool in the comic. And I feel like we got little glimpses here and there. Like we kind of started scratching the surface to it. And it's a shame that like, we don't get to really get to see that further but I understand where they're coming from in terms of furthering the story. My big concern was just sort of like, when the war is over, where do we go from here now that Carl's gone? And I say that just because I know that for the next major arc that happens in the storyline, it's heavily, heavily contingent on a teenage Carl and his romantic relationship with a particular uh, individual (laughs) is the catalyst for everything that happens. Ooh, so interesting. That was what everybody was anticipating. But with now Carl gone, I, I still think that they should do that story arc because I think it's a good story arc. But in terms of who would take up on that story, you know, some people said, oh, well, maybe Enid could take it over. But I don't think, honestly, it works giving it to a female. I think it has to be, because of the circumstances of the story, I think it has to be a male character. So when I thought about it, I actually thought, well, you know, Carl's death actually paves the way for Daryl, to be honest with you. Ah, so that like re-resourcing Daryl for that for, part of the for story. Carl, for, for roles that, parts that Carl would have been like the protagonist, mm-hmm. it would fall to Daryl. And I think that that actually makes a whole lot of sense because Daryl honestly has been given criminally not enough. Like he hasn't really had much of an arc since like season three with Merle and the governor. Since then, Daryl basically grunts and snorts and shoots things with his arrow. And he does a lot of really cool action sequences. But in terms of like, (laughs) it's true. How much dialogue has he gotten since then? Like very little. Yeah. Very, very little. Like he has not had much of an opportunity to really kind of flex his like acting chops, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's true. So I think that they would probably be a very, very good opportunity to give it to to Daryl, especially because when I thought about it, I'm like, you know, it's kind of a shame because it's like Daryl is almost like the poster boy for this show, along with Rick, obviously, but it's like Rick and Daryl and everybody on the show has had some sort of like exploration into their, into further into the character. Um, And they've had relationships that further explore, you know, what they're about. Like Rick's been in relationships with Michonne, freaking Carl and Enid, Abraham, Sasha, Rosita. I mean, like, Jesus Christ, you know, Dr. Denise, Tara. I'm like, Daryl is like asexual. He doesn't have like nothing other than like this little kind of whatever that they always tease with him and Carol. But like, that's obviously not not happening. No, that's not a romantic relationship. That's like a very strong family sort of relationship, you know, that's. Like a sister or, you know. Or like a kind of like some kind of family. It's it's a family kind of relationship, you yeah. know. Familial. So, 
Yeah. So it's like they really haven't given him much and we don't know much about him at all. The only semblances that we got to his depth was, again, back when his brother Merle was still alive, you know, we, we were getting more insight to their dynamic and, and where they came from and that sort of thing. But that was it. Once Merle died, yeah. like, they... So you do have hints of his the kind of personality right. he has. I mean, nothing nothing but walls. Yes. And you do see those walls come down. And then you finally kind of see the moment where he starts going out with Aaron and he starts recruiting people. And you really start you see to moments. see his character develop yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But on the flip side, what you do see is is the writers seem to really just kind of put him in situations where he screws yeah. up. Honestly, and and he's the cause of some some pretty nasty right? stuff happening to yeah. people. Just from the start, I think he's due for like yes. a win at the very yes. least. And I guess the best that they could do is, like you say, probably sew his character into what Carl would have actually done. Now, this has to do with some sort of love interest thing where he's with a love interest and then that kind of helps out with the situation. It's a catalyst. Like his relationship, I mean, I don't want to be too much of a give too much away. Right, right. But in the comic, Carl has a relationship with a young lady. A a certain young young lady. From another community. That's not so nice. Carl's relationship with this young lady and his care for her is also part of his protectiveness over her because the next story arc deals a lot with a group that essentially believes that the apocalypse is just basically letting the earth go back to its natural state and that we are all animals just like these walkers are. And they don't believe in any sort of rules and because that's uh rules are uh enforced by the civilized world and we're not in that anymore Mm. so this particular young lady is the subject of a great deal of abuse at the hands of her own people because she's of those people she is of that tribe because her mother is part of that tribe and so she Mm. is basically um the subject of a lot of abuse and her relationship with carl kind of gets her out of that abusive situation and he kind of sort of saves her. But it's all—it's almost like a little Romeo and Juliet sort of situation where like the two tribes, I guess, kind of uh, have conflict. But they these two tribes would have never necessarily interacted had it not been for the relationship between these two hmm. and um, without giving too much away. But, right, um, right. Of course. But I think it's an interesting story arc. I think the characters in that story arc are very um, interesting And I think that I always anticipated that, you know, this was coming, but now that with Carl gone, I don't think, like I was saying, that somebody like Enid could take Carl's place because that would mean that like she would, you know, most likely be with like, you know, the opposite sex of like a son and the abuse part just wouldn't necessarily like make sense. Like it wouldn't necessarily work because one of the heavy topics is rape. And so it wouldn't necessarily work if it's Enid and like a young man, it has to be the other way around. So to me, it kind of makes sense because I could see somebody like Daryl being with a young woman who's maybe going through this situation and basically kind of like being very protective over her. So when I thought about it, I was like, well, you know, this may pave the way for Daryl to take on a bigger role than just sort of kind of being the right-hand muscle man behind Rick. He, he doesn't really contribute much else in terms of like 
storyline and plot, unless it's something action related. You know, it's like, yay, here comes Daryl on his motorcycle. He's like shooting with one hand and driving with the other. That's awesome. You know, but like, <laughs> he's like, a, he's like an he action is. figure. He's an action figure. That's exactly what he is. And it's like, you know, I, I know he's cool with it. I'm sure he's cool with it. But at the same time, it's like he could probably, you know, stand to have like a little bit more, you know, of a fleshy role. Give him something to work with. Right, a fleshed out role rather than a fleshy yeah, fleshed role. Out. Fleshy, <laughs> so, fleshed out. You get it. <laughs> yeah, one, or the, one or the other. Now, um, to take us a couple episodes back, when Rick and he were at the yes. armory, you remember that Rick kind of snapped out of it when he killed baby daddy yes. and took Gracie, yes. right? But but he finally noticed that Daryl was kind of going to automatic yes. kill mode, basically robot yes. Daryl. And, you know, all the things that he'd been working so hard to kind of embrace uh, Daryl about finding good people and bringing him in and make himself feel good, you know, and having his motorcycle and all that stuff. You know, all that was being unwritten. Killing, um, what's his name? Uh, oh, Morales. It, this, having this role coming up could be the thing that snaps saps him out of it. I mean, between that and peace, he may, may not be cool with peace, post-war, whatever it is. And, you know, he still may not be healed. So this could be one of those things that kind of brings him around, you know, just kind of snaps him out of it, depending on like how this whole peace thing gets smoothed over and all that stuff. Yeah, so. no, for sure. I think so. This would be and a good piece. It would be a good thing for him to kind of move forward a bit, be a person, yeah, well, that's what I mean. <laughs> you know, be an give actual him more character. Of a character, like give him death because I know a lot of people don't would, would be like, oh, I'm going to clutch their pearls when I say this, but I, I kind of like Negan. I, I don't like the saviors to be clear. I don't like saviors. Mm-hmm. However, you like Negan as a character I do because I think that he is not a good guy, but I don't think he's a bad guy either. And I like that. I think that there is complexity in his role. And I think that we'll see more of that complexity in Sunday's episode because Oh, really? Okay. I think so. Because I think that Rick and Negan kind of struggle with similar demons. And I think that they both have their own ways of quote unquote governing that (laughs) are are very different. (laughs) You know, some believe in totalitarian regimes and others, you know, believe in democracies, that sort of thing. But, you know, I think that the right hand men in terms of Daryl and Simon are the ones that need to kind of be reined in a little bit. Mm. I think that Daryl's just, you know, like you said, he's just in this kind of zone and needs to be sort of reined in. And I think Simon is a sociopath who will probably (laughs) get killed off before the war is over, either by Negan himself or I would say the Oceanside community. Oh, because you, yeah, I think we're both on the same page of of him being the arbiter of their fate. Yes, I think it's, I think it was Simon. And I think that Simon's going to kill all the junkyard people on Sunday. Oh, whoa, 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 Wow. Why, why, why did you, why do you think that? Because of how they tried to run up the sanctuary? Well, because they showed in the clip on Talking Dead, they showed um, the clip for next week. And I think they released like another trailer for Sunday. And Negan is talking to Simon and, you know, they're trying to decide what to do about the garbage people because I guess, I mean, I guess based on what we saw in this episode, you know, the guys, the saviors that were inside, I guess, saw who was outside. So I'm guessing that when Rick and the junkyard people showed up and they opened fire, it's because they saw them. So I guess word got back to, to Negan, I guess. That's my guess. Because in the trailer that they show, it's Simon and Negan in the Negan's, I guess, office. <laughs> 
talking about, um, you know, what are they going to do with the garbage people? And Simon's very much like, yep, you know, we got to show up, you know, and just, you know, yeah, it uses up a lot of ammo, but, you know, we're better off that way. Basically, like, let's go in and kill them all. And Negan gives them a very stern talking to about, again, how people are resourced. Resources. How people are resourced. Mm-hmm. And that that's not how we do things. He's like, you will go in, you know, you will take one out and the rest will fall in line. And he look, he gives them this very stern look and he tells them just one Simon, which makes me think again, that Simon's going to take matters into his own hands. He's not going to listen. He's going to kill all the junkyard people. And that would coincide with the trailer that they showed for this half of the season where they showed Jadis kind of like all crestfallen and sad sitting like stripped of her like garments and stuff. Oh, and not for fun. And not for fun this time. Yeah, exactly. So I think that Simon goes in with a show of force, doesn't listen to Negan, disregards his order and basically, you know, decides to just, kill the junkyard people and, you know, keep Jadis alive to suffer, I guess. Wow. And which is the exact opposite of what they usually, what they're kind of scripted or supposed to do. Because that is Negan's way. Negan does not believe in mass killing. If you think about it, throughout everything that we've seen of Negan, he has always made a point of like, you kill one person to make an example, whether when it was with Sasha and she was like captured, same thing. Actually, like, that situation with Sasha, he could have killed her right then and there. And he did not because right. he felt like she could be productive and useful to them. So he did not do that. Right. He basically said that, you know, he would have to punish somebody from, the, from Alexandria for, you know, trying to rebel. He had no intention of hurting her. I mean, hell, if one, when one of his guys tried to rape her, he killed him. Right, right. Rapey, rapey Dave. Rapey, rapey, rapey Davey. Exactly. And yeah. Can't forget so that one. Negan has a very strict ethos. That is not necessarily something that everybody understands. And there are some things that are off limits. Arbitrarily just killing people for the sake of killing people. No, because people are a resource. Women and children. Yeah. And, and there's a strategy and, and too, a strategy by the way. Too. Women and children, yeah. off limits. They were protecting baby Gracie. He had like a whole nursery for this child. Like even when, right. you know, they came and, and confronted Carl in the gate and Carl was like, oh, there's women and children in here. He's like, there are women and children in the sanctuary too. We had a little baby girl. What happened to her? You know? So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't, and I don't think that Simon thinks that way. I think Simon's just a sociopath that just gets drunk off power and really does not care. So I understand Negan and I think he's a complex character, which is why I say he's an interesting character. So yeah, I'm looking forward to Sunday because I think we're going to see more of that kind of complexity. And I think we're going to understand, I think we're going to see more that a lot of the problems are coming more from his, his troops, I should say. His, his his ranks is coming more from his ranks right. rather than from him. Right. And do you th- do you think that this is going to be more of a of a finally him confronting the inevitability that his system might not be the best one? Like he may have his rules, and, but the way he set up his hierarchy, and maybe even the fact that everybody's meant to kind of follow these rules, or maybe they, maybe maybe they were never meant to work to begin with. Like I mean, it's all well and good, but it just the center doesn't hold. Right. Like. If if everybody is depending on you to enforce the rules, or everybody's looking to you for the answers, first of all, for to, to follow these rules, like don't you think at some point that there's just somebody that's just not going to be able to do it quite as well as you? This brings us right back to Carl, 
look, instead of dealing with these sociopaths, psychopaths, sniveling people, people that just don't get it, bloodthirsty people, I could work on Carl. Carl seems to get right. has have something. He has a, spark, a leadership right. spark. He has courage. He has bravery. Yeah. All the people that are working under him, you got Regina, you got Gavin, you've got Simon. There's there's something wrong with each of them. Even, even um, mm-hmm. Dwight. Dwight, you know, I mean, he had to break him down, you know, whereas with Carl, he wouldn't have, he felt like he might not have had to do if he just coaxed him the right way. And that's why I think Carl is so important. That's why I think Carl's death really shows the fact that I, like, he's like thinking to himself, I, there is no hope for the future if I don't, in this apocalypse where there's no, where we're running out of resources, quote unquote, in this slim world where there's just so little humanity to find somebody like Carl that has the strength of Rick, you know, that has found the courage to find a line where, you know, I could talk to him and I can, I don't have to coax him. I, I don't have to even nudge him in, in in many different directions. I he gets my the way I work because I showed him around and all this stuff. Yeah, no. And even though he has to be against me, I can respect him for that. That kind of thing, you know. Whereas everybody else just kind of either falls in line because hey, I get perks, right. or hey, I get to kill people, or hey, you know, I don't get to mm-hmm. die. You know, this guy actually has conviction. So. It does kind of come come back around, and it, it, I think it's going to affect them in ways that we just maybe won't see until the next episode. This would be like Father Gabriel version two point mm-hmm. where where we get that little bit more insight, a little bit more depth. And this is something that, by the way, you had mentioned in the beginning of the season. You were really upset with how two dimensional Negan yes. was, and now you're seeing a lot of promise in this character and it's kind of fleshing out. And, and, and I think now you're really, really psyched, I Carol. I, I can see I, it in your eye. Your I, virtual am, eyes. I am psyched because I f- was very concerned because I felt that he was being treated as a very one dimensional character and now not so much. I think that they're going to give him some depth. I think they're going to make him interesting. I think that it's going to, I mean, I don't think that you're ever going to like be like, oh, well, who's truly the, the, the evil one, Rick or, or Negan? It's like, okay, let's, <laughs> let, let's not go there because it's like, you know, Negan, you know, did kill Abraham and Glenn and he does have like, you know, a harem of concubines. So like, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah. I think we forget. Yeah, about don't forget about the harem with the concubines. Like, no. So it's like, he's, yeah. he's not a, like I said, he's not a good guy, but I don't think he's a bad guy either. Cause I think the intentions there, even with that episode, when he was stuck with father Gabriel and they managed to make their yeah. way back into the sanctuary, first of all, he could have thrown father Gabriel to the wolves and basically said, Hey guys, here's Gabriel feast on him so I can escape. Yeah. I mean, didn't right. Shane do that back when they were at the farm? He killed Otis yeah. so that he could get away. I mean, savage Shane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Totally. Like, totally. Sh- yeah, like, Shane did that back in the day. <laughs> Negan didn't do that. Negan could have easily done that to, like, Gabriel and left them there, you know, for dead. No, he actually, like, made sure that he, they both got to safety, you know, the two of them. And um, when he got back in, you know, and, you know, first of all, like, the masses were about to, like, fall apart because he wasn't there. He shows up, everybody falls in line. And, you know, you even heard some people like, oh, thank God, you know, you're back or whatever. It's like, thank God for you. It's like, because I think that he feels, and to some extent, you know, depending on the group, it is true that left to their own devices, they will just eat each other alive. And that's what started to happen, you know? 
And so he had to, he has to be there to make sure that order remains, um, at least in, in his circumstances. Right, right, exactly. But yeah, so it's like, I, I feel like he's just a very, he operates in a very totalitarian manner. So I think it's fascinating. I think it's very interesting. I'm glad that they didn't just keep making him a caricature. I'm glad that they are, are exploring that. And I think they'll continue to do that. What I am trying to figure out is the very last scene of this episode, obviously, because I know a lot of people are trying to figure out what in the world was going on there. <laughs> because you're not entirely 100% certain that we're caught up. Yeah, they play with time hard this season. <laughs> yeah, because one could assume that they were done burying Carl and that's where they were. But my mind is like, okay, they buried Carl in Alexandria. Right. You notice the walls as the, as, right. as they're putting him to the ground. I think Rick also has a different shirt. Yeah, that yeah, that that makes sense too. Yeah, there's that, and that he's in a completely different right. setting, and there's blood all over his yeah. hands in that there. scene. And I'm like thinking to myself, I don't think that's no. from Carl. I don't. It looks too fresh. Maybe something yeah. happened. Maybe he let somebody go. I, maybe he had Negan in the palm right. of his hands. Yeah, I. I, I, don't I don't know. If I had to guess, I would guess that that is an outcome of a confrontation with Negan, but I don't know what the outcome of that confrontation is. Yeah, it could have gone bad. It could have bad, gone bad. Actually. It could have not. It could, you know, they could, I don't know. That, I, I think it's the outcome of that, whatever that final confrontation is, but I don't know what the outcome is. Because the other thing, too, is that it's such a bizarre, almost serene scene. There's like nothing else around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Nobody it- else around. Right. And and you know what? As you're talking, it makes me even start to think that maybe that confrontation ended with somebody close to him possibly. dying. That's what it's I'm thinking. Possibly that too. And, the, and he's like just telling himself, may my mercy play, uh, prevail over my wrath. That's sort of like he's just like a mantra because it's like, how am I supposed to not right. kill him? I got to right. kill him. But I have to keep saying this right. so I don't. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It's this, this it's, sucks. I like, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. You know, you you never know. It's like like they always said, nobody's safe. And I feel like certain characters <laughs> are more on the chopping block now than others, just because of real life mm. circumstances that might entice them to go elsewhere. So maybe, hmm. you know, maybe their time on the show isn't all that long. I mean, a lot of people, well, a lot of people say, I haven't seen Black Panther yet, but a lot of people say that Denai Guerrera basically stole that show and, you know, her stock has gone up. Her, her acting stock has gone. Yeah. I I could, I could, I feel that. I feel that. You know, is she going to continue on? I don't know. Then there's all this stuff that I've heard about Lauren Cohen and her contract and all of that. Yeah. But but wow. the thing is that Maggie's, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's love to be seen what they do with Maggie. I feel like they, Maggie's another character that they really haven't focused enough on. You know, Maggie should be leading this damn charge. Her husband, she's the widow, which is so cool. If you think about it, it's like the widow, they call her the widow. I'm like, you being the widow, you should be like freaking, freaking ninja style here. You should be like just leading the charge with a lot of this stuff. And I feel like, She's like a secondary sort of storyline, you know, like she's. 
Well, we're, I think we're getting I there. So. I, re- I really do I think hope. we're getting there. Because, I mean, like, there have been scenes with Enid in the next, in the next episode. There have been, I, because I, they have to get back to this at some point. And I, I know they are going to focus on the hilltop at some yeah. point. Well, so. they're all going there. And she's already coming into her own, you know? She's already starting to make decisions. And obviously, we see the coffin in the next yes. episode at the sanctuary. Yes. There's, there's no telling where they'll, where they'll actually take this to. But actually, so it's, it, that's the funny thing because what I wanted to talk about this episode because we, we brought all this stuff with Negan and how he's getting depth. But I think the cool thing about this episode, though, is that we really rake over this idea of redemption. Yes. Like, and the reason why that's so important in relation to Negan is that I feel like with all the scenes, and we're going to talk about those scenes between Gavin and Ezekiel, where <clears throat> you know he's trying to basically give Gavin a way out, even though Zeke's the dead man. Right. It's kind of telling us that it's just never too late to walk right. back, you know, to walk it back. Like, you know, even after like, everything has been said and done, even though you have the, the means to walk it back. You know, you, you have all the power in the world to kind of walk everything back. And I feel like you can easily say that to Negan yeah. as well. No, it's true. You, know, you, can, you can easily say that and it's just never too late. And then maybe that maybe there's, there's a way for you to kind of make it yeah. right. You know, and that's all Carl has really been saying is like, it just takes one person to be willing to, to put things mm-hmm. down. Yep. You have that theme and then you have also the theme of, of innocence lost and, and, and the idea that killing is easy, but making peace is much, much yeah. harder. Yeah. And I think from here on in, you, you're going to see instances where, I don't know, maybe in these episodes, these following episodes, you're going to see instances where it doesn't work and you're going to see instances where it does mm-hmm. work. And, and I feel like we're going to have this like two steps forward, one step back kind of situation, or maybe one step forward, two <laughs> steps back, depending on how the show, <laughs> how, how um, massive sadistic the writers oh. are going to be in the following, uh, I guess, uh, what, seven episodes, eight seven episodes, episodes, seven, left. I don't know. Let's move on to like Zeke yeah. and Gavin, because I think this to me, these scenes and you have to realize something. Once this scene started, you you were constantly moving back and forth between Kingdom and Alexandria. You were like literally, you'd have a line or two, and then they would have a line or two in Alexandria. Mm-hmm. You know, between Rick and Carl, and Carl and Judith, and and, and all that stuff. And then they whip back to uh, you know either you know Zeke and Gavin or Morgan and Gavin. You know that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing. And it literally, like, you, if you notice, like, okay, the first half of the episode is pretty slow going. Yes. Um, and, they, and they would slowly go back and forth. But near the second half or second uh, or the last third of the episode, you were just constantly moving back and forth. And the, these scenes kind of play with each yes. other. You know, you can, you can always go back. It's mm-hmm. not too late. That sort of thing. You know, it, it just, it's all about that. And, and literally, Carl is basically telling his dad, thank you for getting right. me here because I, I could have been a completely different yeah. person. But you were you worked on me. The reason why I'm here now is because you saw that I could have gone da- down yeah. a dark path, and you walked me back. You know, you did it for me. You know, you you changed the way you were to kind of make me a better right. person. Exactly. And then you whip back to like you whip back oh, to gosh. Morgan and Gavin and yeah I love the little Mike Myers reference yes. that oh Greg Nicotero, Greg Nicotero yeah it was Greg Nicotero he was like referring to Mike Myers it more was. than Mike Myers like just unstoppable that killing exactly machine. was when he was basically hunting his prey with his stick like dragging the stick right. on the ground I'm like oh god right. it's like the killer jangling his keys whatever they were scraping his knife against yeah. the oh, fence or something god. like that but yeah you went back there and then like 
you know, Zeke's basically going to Morgan, like, play your hand or something oh. like that. Like, you don't have to go I this think, far. What was it that he said? He said, you are the author of how this chapter closes or how this story closes, something like that. Oh, I wrote okay, it down. You got it. I was like, something <laughs> along those lines. Well, he, well Zeke, Zeke says this to Gavin, and he says, um, Zeke says, you are the author of this night, Gavin. Its close shall be fashioned by your start. Yes. And it's it, it's so it's so prescient. Yeah, it's it's like it, it's just like this dead man is basically telling his execute, you know, not his executioner, but the guy who's walking him to the gallows. Yes. You know, it's never too late, man. I made my peace. You know, I did what I I did what I had to do. I, I like that, especially when um, Gavin talks into the walkie talkie and nobody responds. And and Ezekiel <laughs> tells him again, it's like, it's not too late. It's not too late. Yeah. And then he then he says right back, he says, uh <laughs> <laughs> Quit picking dingles. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Gomez. Oh God. If we stop picking dingles, grab your walkie and respond. Oh. It's just yes. so good. It's not to like it's not to like to walk back from something decided. Yes. yes. That's what yes. he says. Because he knows. He knows that Morgan and Carol are there. Yeah. Does he well, know? That's, that's, I, that's I think the he thing. knows that something's up, you know, like the fact that they don't answer. Like he knows that obviously these guys have been taken out. So he's kind of like, hey, man, it's not too late. <laughs> and, you know, the very last thing he says to him, too, it's like, and this is this is what was so powerful. So Gavin says this. He says, I've got to settle this under the penalty of that goddamn mm-hmm. bat. And then Zeke says, you don't. And then Gavin just right away slaps right. Zeke, you know, just slaps him down to the ground. And he basically says he can't walk it back. He survived all the, and like, this is my commentary. He's like, he survived all this wrath because he was on the right side. I think from Gavin's perspective, like he must feel like this is his yes. curse. Like he's cursed to be on the right side, yeah. you know, to watch these people that he's really, <laughs> that he thinks he's been trying right. to save. Like, look, I don't want any trouble. That sort of thing. Like if you follow these rules, I think you're good people. I think you just, you know, you just want to get by. You just want to, you know, you want to live in peace. You know, this is the way this is going to go. You have to follow these rules and you'll be right. fine, you know, or else it'll get right. messy. And, I think in his head, he thinks he's like this peacemaker. He's like, look, I, I don't know about Negan or nothing. You know, it's like, it's not my call, but I'm just following this guy. And, and like, I really sincerely think, yeah, like, I really sincerely think he, he, he's kind of like this buffer between Zeke yeah. and Negan from his perspective. He can't simply walk it back, though, too. Like, you'd think he right. would. He's like this privileged person that he just doesn't know he has this privilege uh, until like it's too yeah. late. And it's like, but this is the way it's supposed to work. Like, you know, y- you know, so when he slaps him down, he's like, no, this you're wrong. This is just the way it's got to be. Like, it's the same shit every day. You know, this is the curse yep. I have, you know, and as long as I, you know, as long as I keep doing my job, I mean, that, that's just the way it's going to be. I see people die mm-hmm. all the time and I try to stop it. Like, I try to stop yeah. it, but it just keeps turning out the same. Yeah. You know, so he, this is like the curse he has to live it's a, with. Exactly. It's the curse that he ends up having to deal with, basically. And of course, we know better. Right. <laughs> like, of course, we know better. Like, we know that, you know, at some point you have to walk it back. Like, okay, look at uh, Tara's situation. Like, like, she couldn't even walk it back until it was too late. And even then, she probably could have run away and she probably could have not gone with uh, Glenn, yeah. you know, not, not joined forces. But in the end, it took Glenn putting down his, his anger, you know, that she had been with him yeah. to kind of like, you know, to kind of make peace at the yeah, prison. Exactly. And, you know, f- go to Terminus, I think yes. it was. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, you have these themes, you have these themes that kind of repeat too. 
and then and then you have this Henry situation. Well, I think that that's the point where you know Morgan kind of like basically wakes up. I I, I think somebody I heard akin it to um, or basically compared it to um, like when you have like Mario and he gets the star and he's like invincible and then the star wears off. So that's basically what happened mm. to Morgan when like Henry shows up and kills Gavin. The reality starts to set in like, oh, oh, I, I trained this kid to do this. Oh, you know. Right. It wasn't supposed to be no. like that. Like it was really supposed to be for defense or right. to, to, to disable. Right. Yeah. Not like, hey, guys, look what I did, you know. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. Uh, see, I don't think we've even begun to see how this has affected Morgan no. yet. We, we've just seen him stop because, I mean, he's Gavin's dead. So we, we really don't. I didn't even see as much of a reaction. No, I think as, as no. I thought. I think that you know? the reaction was more so of the shock of seeing Henry do that. But yeah, I, I think that's the, the extent of it. We didn't see much else beyond that. I think we will. And I think that this could be maybe part of what propels him to go to fear. Yeah, to leave, to leave and, and yeah. join Fear the Walking Dead. Which, by the way, I've heard that the premiere of Fear the Walking Dead will follow immediately after the season finale of The Walking Dead. So potentially oh, really? we might see Morgan walk from one set to the other. Yeah, I, th- I think that's basically been his shooting schedule. <laughs> so I, I basically need to catch up in the next couple of months with Fear the Walking Dead so I can understand how this whole thing is coming together. Do you think this that this will happen right after this episode? No, because I think that Morgan needs to impart some wisdom on Rick. I think. I think they need to have hmm. more heart to heart. If Morgan really is leaving, I think there needs to be I think we see more of Morgan and Rick specifically. You you're thinking because of how he was in the beginning of the show, basically first season. You think there'll be like a moment? I think that they'll have a moment because these guys were together in episode one, season one, you know? Like, so I think that they're going to give him something, some moment before he departs and and potentially like leaves in the night or something. But I think that they'll have like at least one moment before he he decides, screw this, I'm out of here. Hmm. I, I just honestly, mm-hmm. you know what? I don't even know. Like anything right now will work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Rate. I can't even tell where we go because I think Rick's got his hands. He full. does. He's got, he's got <laughs> right quite a bit now. going on, you know. Yeah, he's, his plate's kind of heavy yeah, right he's, now. He's got a lot so. on his plate. He's not not you know he's not short of things to do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not a dull moment for Rick Grimes right now. But no, I, I thought it was very, you know, I thought the, the Ezekiel and Morgan storyline was, you know, very interesting. Pretty much, I would say, probably the grossest kill, possibly, that I have seen on this show. Oh, you're saying Morgan's yeah, kill? Yeah, I think that was probably, like, oh, the worst that I've seen on this show, possibly, potentially. In terms of human to human, I should say. I'm not going to say, like, Walker kills. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty gnarly. Yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. Oh, and yeah, what's this whole reveal about like this naked walker okay. thing I, I, that's I'm going on? Go on yeah, and say something about that. About the naked walker. Okay. okay, I like records. So I think it's absolutely. I'm going to go on my soapbox for a moment, and I'm basically just going to say that I think this country is so ridiculous that it is ab- that it is scandalous that to have a naked walker coming up. And meanwhile, I can put on regular old AMC at nine o'clock and watch some guy's intestines get ripped out of his body. Like, <laughs> I, I think that's insane. But a naked walker is scandalous and needs to be prefaced ahead of time. But, you know, organs getting ripped out, like, no, we're not going to give you any warning about that. Like, just 
enjoy the show, <laughs> you know? Yeah, enjoy the blood, blood I mean, and gore, you know? The guy's head coming I mean, off while Rick was hanging uh, on his body. Like, take, take your pick. I mean, yeah, I just find it so insane. I'm like, we are so uptight as a country. Like, how is a naked walker scandalous? Meanwhile, like all this other stuff that anybody can put on the channel and watch, you know, pretty much anybody, like all you get is like a little blurb of a, of a warning a few seconds before the show comes on. That's it. <laughs> you know, other than that, like, there you go. Enjoy. I, I think that's insane. Ugh. And there's no reason for a naked walker. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> like to begin, to begin with. with. Like that makes no sense to me. <laughs> so like uh, on the one hand, that's that's what you're gonna get upset about but on the other hand like oh you don't really no, need that like naked walker is, like my thing i'm just like if you're trying to be like salacious to kind of be like ooh scandalous or whatever you can get to that by just just wait it out until after this war is over give daryl his storyline with a whatever <laughs> and these chicks are gonna be throwing their like panties at the screen because now all of a sudden daryl's got a love interest and it's gonna be like ooh Daryl. Like, I am not a Daryl enthusiast like that, but I know that there are plenty of women out there that are. And I'm sure that they would like be in a frenzy over something like that. Naked Walker. Right. I just, I just don't see. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand where that even comes into play. Like, why would you have a naked Walker? I'm like, like I thought about it. I'm like, where would that fit? Like, why? What purpose? Oh, I can tell you easily. <laughs> if you're interested. Okay. Your, your theory? But I mean, like, so on the one hand, you have the idea of uh, like the George Romero thing where like, okay, so first of all, like the celebrities that get shot on the rooftop, that that kind of trope where like the 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 walkers that look like celebrities okay like but then you have also like you if you look at some walkers you you think in some scenes you think oh what's their story you know like what's where were they when that happened or why are they dressed like that or something like that so i think greg nicotero likes the idea of playing with like okay the radioactive walkers like why why are they like this why do they look like well as a matter of fact it's because of the chemicals on the ground Mm -hmm. and the radioactivity Mm -hmm. and and then you have like the sand, the sand walkers, right. you know, from that one bridge scene, uh, PP. And then you have, <laughs> you have, but then you, but then you have like these, these one-offs, like, you know, what happened to this guy? You know, why is he like this? I think that it didn't have to be announced. Like, why couldn't you just <laughs> keep it in your pants? <laughs> you know, because I mean, let's just let it happen. People might not even notice right. it too. But then the fact that you kind of have to bring it out, it's just kind of like, well, now you're kind of just aggrandizing it. We're not really going to give a damn about right. it. Maybe. Like I don't know. But maybe we will. I don't they're care. They're just way but too excited about it. They couldn't like help themselves. Yeah. Just let it happen. Let the controversy just come <laughs> out of it. Like, I think that's that. I think that's like big, a big flaw with like American American um, mm-hmm. TV is that sometimes we can't help themselves. We overly announce that. Yeah, we can't over. We overly announce things. Like, I, I remember I was sitting down with somebody um, and talking about how they're really frustrated with American television. It's like, so we, look, when we're talking to each other, do I say, hey, Carol, um, but Carol, listen to this, but Carol, like you say the other person's name in conversation. It's like, you don't really right. do that. Like, I, you know, I, you know, I'm there. I, I know who you are. <laughs> I don't have to keep saying your name. So they get really frustrated by that. I'm like, oh, I get that. That's that actually makes a lot of sense. Like At first, I was kind of like, OK, what are you complaining about? <laughs> But, you know, when you're talking to your friends, you don't keep telling them their right, own name, right? right? So, but, so this is the kind of the same way, though. It's kind of like, well, you know, why overstate, you know, overstate right. it? Like, if you're doing a good job, or even if you're not, like, 
people will notice the work that you're right. doing. You know, people notice the, the, the things like some people, some people won't like, I, I saw like a, like a little blurb about, Oh, the 10 best, zo- uh, you know, zombies from the walking dead is 10 best walkers mm-hmm. or something. And like, they, they really zoomed in on some of like, some of the walkers are like, I hadn't noticed like, okay, this walker had like uh still had like uh reading glasses on and a pearl mm-hmm. necklace. And I was like, Oh, it looks like a librarian, like things like that. Like, Oh, I, I didn't notice it unless right, you pointed right. it out. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, you're not really supposed to notice them as much as really the story development and the character right. development in drawing out, these people and 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 they're yeah because the people are the walking dead to do that to kind of bring out the walkers and how impressive they are kind of takes away from the show the whole reason why a lot of people don't even watch the walking dead just to begin with is because nobody wants to watch another zombie television show like the whole reason why people i still talk to people they're like oh you don't watch the walking dead yes you know i didn't want to see zombies Mm -hmm. and i'm like it's way beyond dude that. it's not about it's the zombies yeah <laughs> yeah so to accentuate the whole zombie thing like to make it a thing it's kind of like well don't do that because you've already turned off people from this idea because right. of that and the reason why people still watch is because right. of the people like the people yeah, are the walking dead so the, why the story not just like oh look at these zombies it's like no nah, we're past that point yeah so just just you know chill yeah, out buddy i i agree 100 <laughs> percent as much as I like the behind the scenes though, I do like the behind the scenes, what goes into them and all that stuff, but like to just make, <laughs> but to make it a thing, you know, that's a whole other yeah, story. It's kind of like, it's, it's not necessary. like coming up. Here's a zombie. No, like tell me afterwards. Yeah, it's like, you know? I don't need to. I, I, that's okay. It's all right. I don't necessarily need a naked zombie. Right. Before <laughs> the fact, like after the fact, okay, tell me how you made yeah, it. Blah, blah, blah. Were you really proud of it? Okay. I get it. You're proud of it. That's cool. Right, I like that, you. you know, and then I like to know yeah, how you did that. Cool. But like after ah. the fact, tell me after the right. show, like, like, oh, ancillarily, this setting was in, we, we, flew everybody out to alaska we filmed here oh that's cool right. you don't like announce that they, they're going to alaska for this one yeah. scene you know like beforehand it's like oh tell me afterwards that's kind of right, impressive right it takes away from the story Ugh. yeah anyway i agree naked walker I'm, I'm i'm going to be giving that naked walker the side eye when it shows up now right because before you wouldn't, wouldn't care cared. it's like it's oh like, now i'm gonna be like oh well here's the naked walker they were talking about well, you know, it wouldn't have been a thing if, if Chris Hardwick didn't ask the question, too. I don't think. So I, I think he's culpable in that. It's like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. I got to ask you, speaking of Chris Hardwick, do you feel that Carl got as large of a send off on uh, Talking Dead as uh, other characters have? I think Glenn got it way better. <laughs> Um, Glenn, they had this big thing in the cemetery and it was raining and they had all the cast members on and it was like, oh, you're talking about the hundredth episode send off. Well, the, well, Glenn's, Glenn's death was, that wasn't the hundredth episode. The hundredth episode was the um, season premiere of this season, right? Yeah, that yeah. was actually I'm just, the first episode. I'm of the just season, thinking right. that when Glenn was murdered the, and they had Talking Dead, I feel like they gave him a big send off. Like that Talking Dead was like super size, you know? Um, and I feel like for Carl, like, I mean, you know, they obviously gave him his props, but I don't necessarily think it was as big. I'll be honest, though. So I hear what you're saying. I think a lot of me was kind of like, I liked it to the point where the, even the music that they mm-hmm. were playing, and I may still mm-hmm. do this, I wanted to actually play in the background of the mm-hmm. show, our show, 
so that's how much I actually enjoyed the music they decided to compose for that uh-huh. in memoriam. You have to you have to accept one thing, and that's the send off is never going to be big enough yeah. for a character right. like Carl. Like we're 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 playing with something that we never thought we would have to. Well, you might have thought <laughs> we had to play with, but like eventually, but. But, you know, for, for people who didn't see it coming, or not didn't see it coming, but like who, a character that's been on this yeah. long, there's no big, there's no send off that's right. big enough. Yeah. I, I was kind of heartbroken with, when Dale left the show. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> was, but like, you know, and like, I still think about him in a way like, oh, what would Dale I know. do? <laughs> well, and he thing. still came up, like he would still come up at times. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, and I'm not saying that, oh, Dale should have gotten a big send off. I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that like. Every character ha- should have like a, a proper send off, but like at the same time, it's kind of like this is this is a big one. This is a big one. This is a kid that's grown up on the show. It's like, you're, there's no send off that's going to be big yeah. enough. I think they did a really good job, kind of accentuating the fact that you know, showing the scenes that you know interweave uh, between the, when he yeah. was a kid and and, and as he yeah, was growing I think they up. They did a good job with that for sure. You only have so much time too, and it is Talking Dead to be yeah. honest. You know, like if they had like a little featurette on their own, let's say on the website. That would be kind of cool yeah. too, but at the same time, if you do that, then you're really gonna have to start doing that for either either you're gonna have to start doing that with other characters or I mean I don't know yeah. I mean it's it's difficult it's difficult to gauge so I I think they did what they thought was right. fair yeah <laughs> I yeah, think true but you know it's never gonna be enough for that kind of kid you know for that kind of yeah. character no it's pretty it, big it's pretty big I just kind of always think back to Glenn it always compares to Glenn and it was funny because I was talking to somebody who I guess was watching, you know, because I always show marathons, obviously, whenever it's leading up to like a mid-season premiere and all of that. They were watching episodes, old episodes, and these old episodes had Glenn and they were like, man, you know, watching these old episodes of Glenn really made me miss Glenn. And I was like, God, you know, I haven't gone back to see any of the older episodes. I wonder if I would feel the same way. Hmm. Oh, with Carl, you're saying? With Carl or with Glenn or Glenn versus Carl, like, you know, and I think they had polls too, like, you know, which death hit you harder, Glenn or Carl? Oh, you know what? If I had to take that poll, I'd still say yeah, Glenn. Yeah, I think, I think that's Honestly, to be I really honest. The, the result, it was Glenn. Yeah. It, it, isn't that an odd thing though, too? You know, like you think you would, would vote Carl. I just feel like Glenn had a, I don't know, I was more emotionally invested in Glenn. And he very much was a moral compass. Like he very much was and. As much as he was not like Abraham, like he wasn't like this loud presence, although Abraham would crack me up with his liners. And I do miss that. But, you know, he, he, his presence was felt and his absence were felt. I mean, I know people who stopped watching after they, cl- after they killed Glenn. They were like, I'm over. Yeah. I'm done. Well, I think it's time to talk about what we can expect. I mean, we have a little bit here and there, but I I think that we really do need to talk about Enid and Aaron. And Oceanside. I know there were some feature, like some little glimpses within some of the sneak peeks about what could happen, but I really couldn't tell. All they really showed was them basically, Enid trying to appeal to them and basically say like, look, you should join us because they're going to inevitably find you and they, they will kill you. That's all I really saw. Which is a hard sell, you know? I'm like, you guys came in and took all of their weapons and then you're like, hey, join us. (laughs) So... And then then you kill grandma. grandma, So it's like, that's a hard (laughs) sell, you know? But that's the impression I get. So we'll we'll see what comes from that. I was even going to say from at the beginning of the show that 
you know, I'd be fine with not seeing the junkyard gang again, but, but then it's apparent that, that we are going to see them again. And there, there's going to be some pretty big stuff happening with them too. I think that the junkyard people purely exist to basically prove that Simon is evil and Negan is not necessarily. So I feel like that's purely their existence. Their existence purely is just so that they can be killed <laughs> by Simon. Oh my God. I, I do. I really do because like they, and, I, and I'm, I'm speculating because they do not exist in the comics. So this is not based off of anything, but my personal feeling is that I think that they solely exist to basically illustrate what an evil, sadistic sociopath Simon is and how Negan is not that. That's um, going to be like Negan's turning point. I think, I think his, so. his idea between Carl's death and between Carl's death and seeing that his own people are perpetrating some of the crimes that he preaches against. Right. In his I, name. In his name. Exactly. So I that's think. interesting. So I, yeah, we're, we're, I guess we're setting the stage for his, his change in philosophy, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it's, it's, I think it's all about redemption. You know, I think it's a lot about redemption. Can Negan be fully redeemed? Maybe not fully redeemed, you know, but at the same time, like, I think that he is also of sound mind enough to understand, like, this was not my intention when this whole thing, even like how he told Sasha, it's like everybody following the rules. That's what this whole thing was supposed to be about. That's what he told Sasha when Carl and him had their little confrontation on the wall. And, you know, Carl tells him like, you know, is this what you wanted? Is this what you envisioned? And he really does think about it. I don't think. No, that's not what he envisioned. Yeah. It's not. We know that that Alexandria had vision. You know, like right right from the beginning, you you had people thinking about, okay, what what, what can we do to improve the future? You know, and how how can we do this better? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, obviously things kind of got in the way between the wolves and, and, you know, the saviors and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of bears in mind that like, okay, maybe Negan had a far different view or maybe whoever was in charge beforehand, which could have been mm-hmm. Simon. Could have been. Maybe Negan had a, just a completely different view of how this would go under his reign. Maybe he had similar visions and then it just somewhere along the way, you know, with opposition and the way things ended up and the way the comprom- the small little compromises that he had to make mm-hmm. to keep order, you know, to keep yeah. people falling in line. Maybe this completely turned out not the way that he in- initially envisioned maybe he thought people would cop on you know so that's what makes that yeah you're right that's what makes that moment so powerful Mm -hmm. uh, between him and carl that last moment and think about that's that's the last thing technically that he hears from carl ever yep he'll find out eventually that carl is dead yes and that those words are just going to ring out in his brain Mm -hmm. and as people start disappointing him like finding out gavin's dead you know simon probably genociding a whole community with Regina, let's say. Um, yeah, who else? I mean, Dwight abandoning him. That's another thing, too. Right. You know, he'll find out that Dwight uh, it just turned coat. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, it's left to be seen what's going to end up happening with Eugene, Dr. Carson, and Father Gabriel. When last we saw Eugene, it looked like he was kind of turning to kind of help Father Gabriel and um, Dr. Carson potentially escape. Um, I think in the trailer for the second half of the season, we see Eugene looking at a bullet. So I am going to take it to think that he is going to do either one of two things. He's either going to help Negan with the armory and making bullets, but secretly supply the uh, rebellion or resistance with ammo as well. Mm. Or he might make blanks. Blanks or even, yeah, either blanks or 
maybe even bullets that just disable their guns. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's say they explode in the chamber, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he will subtly be helping Rick and crew. Like, he's not brave enough, obviously, to be like, oh, I'm going to make my way out of here and I'm going to save. That's not Eugene. It's <laughs> not Eugene. But, it is not Eugene. But I think he will subtly do his part i think right right i think i think we're ready for next week i think we have our opinion on what to expect we yeah have- i mean and a whole host of things that we cannot expect no <laughs> so, and a whole because we got seven episodes left so we have seven episodes left and i think that the big outstanding question is going to be what in the world is going on with rick in that end scene that is oh I, yeah i think that we have clear answers now on the you know quote unquote flash forwards but now it's, we still have more questions though we still have more questions <laughs> though the bleary eyed rick saying my mercy prevailed over my wrath i think we're still not clear on what exactly transpired there yeah. i heard somebody mention on another podcast because you know some people are super super uh I guess, eagle-eyed. Somebody said that if you zoom in on that last scene, there is a butcher knife in Rick's hand or side or something like that. If you zoom in. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Now, I... In his side? In his side. I need to rewatch and really zoom in to understand because I did not catch that. Maybe that is the case. I don't know. I will say that if there's a knife involved that does relate to something that happened in the comic, but it still doesn't necessarily clarify what happened there, what transpired there. I do Mm. think that he's involved, obviously, in some sort of confrontation, but the outcome of that is what I don't know. Who won Mm. that outcome? Interesting. You know what? This is a good opportunity for you to expound on that in the comic spoilers. Yes, I will. Blog. Yes. If you guys haven't read it, we kind of go in. Uh, yeah. I don't, but Carol does. I and do. if you are a fan of the comics, she does, she will do scene comparisons and ideas and theories. And I think we're going to, she's been blowing it out a lot lately. And I think it's, uh, there's some really good, interesting reads. Some of which I don't because I need to be that guy. I know you need to be that person. You can't, you, you, I just, just close your eyes, Dave. Don't, don't read it. Just, just skip over those parts. Skip over those parts. Exactly. <laughs> for sure yeah. and with that everybody i think we will catch you next week i cannot wait for this sunday's episode and yes. i think I'm, I'm thinking and hoping that we're gonna get some father gabriel negan 2.0 kind of depth with negan and hopefully we'll catch up with the rest of the gang that we haven't seen since uh, two episodes ago so i think so. uh with that uh we'll see you next week take care y'all see you next week